0: This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer, Al Castle, back once again with my co-host, Dan Murphy. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm out here in the the frozen tundra of Buffalo, New York, waiting for another snowstorm to roll in, and uh, ready to talk some wrestling. Yes, and you are quite the newsmaker this week in in more ways than one. Uh, first of all, if, if you read the description, uh, you know about the very special guest we've got uh, coming up. It's one of these like obscure indie women stars that like uh, are known to to stay at your house and you drive them around or something. Who is this uh, Becky? Somebody yeah becky somebody
1: yeah <laughs> uh rebecca quinn uh no uh becky lynch um used to be uh becky knox rebecca knox is, is that right what you mean? Back, in, back when i first met her but yeah uh becky lynch um yeah yeah uh, we, we were able to land an interview with the man uh talking about her, her match coming into wrestlemania um It was conducted a couple of weeks ago, so it was done before the triple threat announcement, but there was still a lot of talk about you know the, that was certainly the rumor that that would be the direction that they 'd be going in um but i I thought that she was uh really open we We actually got into a little subject we talked about her uh and and we 'll obviously hear it in just a couple of minutes, but her uh her kind of depression and uh she started training when she was very young, around fourteen or fifteen, and around nineteen after a series of injuries. Uh, she thought she had to get out of wrestling. And um, going through that, with wrestling being such a big dream and and losing it, and now getting to the stage where she looks like she's going to be main eventing WrestleMania, um, you know, it's a pretty remarkable story, and she was really candid in talking about it, and uh, I was really happy with the interview.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not often that we get uh, an interview here with with the biggest star in the sport. I think it's uh, fair to call her um and uh, it's going to be featured in the forthcoming issue of Pro Wrestling uh, Illustrated, which i think drops uh, later this week the, the digital edition uh, at yeah. least uh so a, yep. a bit of a preview of that maybe by the time uh this podcast drops it'll already be out there um so we'll have that in in just a moment uh and then the the other big headline not to bury the lead but uh you dropped a, a bombshell on on us just before we started recording <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I didn't think it would be that big of a bombshell. But, yeah, I, uh, I've decided to uh, to step away from PWI and, and from wrestling altogether, uh, really, um, by the end of the year, uh, later on this year. I'm still going to be with uh, the magazine and the podcast for the next, you know, uh, really it, through the PWI 500 and the women's 100. You know, I'll still be active with everything, but I want to kind of focus on some other things and uh, just kind of step away and see if I can. Uh, you know, I've been I've been Dan Murphy, the, the senior writer for pro wrestling illustrated or the wrestling writer for 22 years. I want to see if I can, uh, do something else. So, uh, I'm going to, uh, it was a tough decision because I, I've, I've traveled a lot in, in this capacity, which I love. And I've got, um, I mean, so many stories and, and memories and things like that. Um, and I know that by saying, I'm not going to do wrestling anymore, I'm not going to travel as much. There's, you know, literally hundreds of people that I, I consider very good friends and, and acquaintances that, I probably won't see again, you know, uh, I mean, luckily with social media, we can stay in touch, but uh, I might not be seeing them in Orlando or Chicago or Montreal uh, the way I have been for the past few years. So uh, it's kind of emotional, but I think it's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. And, and I very much consider you a, a friend and a colleague and uh, I'm very much going to miss our, our biweekly uh, conversations here. I mean, I think I've told you before uh you know, growing up a wrestling fan, you're always looking for somebody to talk to about wrestling. And, you know, over the years, I've bored my wife, I've bored my kids, but it's terrific to have a real <laughs> thoughtful conversation when, with somebody who is incredibly knowledgeable. I think you're about as knowledgeable on this uh, topic as as they get. And I will, uh, and I'm sure I speak for, for everybody at the magazine and the people reading as well. We're going to miss you dearly. It's going to be um, very, very uh, big shoes to fill. Um, and you know one of the things that that I've been looking to do more here at the podcast is uh, uh, incorporate more more content from the magazines, both the the new magazines as as we'll listen to in a bit with your Becky Lynch interview, but also going back into the archive somewhat. And after um, uh, hearing your announcement, I, I dug around and I found what I think is the first Pro Wrestling Illustrated that you uh, appeared in. At least at least it's the first one that you're on the masthead, and it is. Uh, June 1998, it's the PWI uh, poll issue, appropriately enough. Sonny is on the cover. And there's a feature inside. Bill Goldberg, A Fan's Dream, A Promoter's Nightmare by uh, one Dan Murphy. Do you remember anything about this?
1: No, I don't. I don't <laughs> remember that one at all. I, it, the, the first, my, my first byline was was in The Wrestler, actually. It, it was uh, Introducing Prince Iakea.
0: I looked for it. I um, couldn't find and, it.
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, well, it, the, the, it was the, what was cool about it though. What, what really made it cool to me at the time, being a huge fan and everything, was the cover. Was the ECW invasion of Raw, mm-hmm. which was so kind of exciting and cool at that time. And having a picture that it was like a pull apart. Um, I think the, the main art might have been Scott Hall, but the secondary art was the ECW on Raw and like Sabu and Vince McMahon in one picture together.
0: And then like yeah. my bylines in there. Was like, wow, <laughs> this very, is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was there for that that episode Raw. That's one of my my favorite wrestling memories. I'll read you just a little bit from the the beginning. When Bill Goldberg made his debut in WCW, uh, a lot of fans and potential opponents wrote him off as an oversized rookie who had graduated from the Steve Austin School of Attitude. After gaining victories over Scotty Riggs, Glacier, and former U.S. champion Steve McMichael, however, Goldberg has gained popularity with his take-no-prisoners mentality and intensity. And potential opponents, let's just say they're taking him more seriously, so seriously that it might damage Goldberg's career. I think it's pretty good for for twenty two years old. I mean twenty two years ago. I don't I don't think you were twenty two years old. Um, you know, well, we talk a bit about Actually, how I probably would have been about. I, I
1: probably about 22, 23. Right? Yeah, okay. so, so, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, so, He yeah.
0: started up a PWI kind of right out of college. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Do do you hear that and and. Are you impressed with yourself? Is there uh anybody that you know sometimes you read your old back on your old stuff and you kind of cringe I actually found i, I get I, I literally cringe with everything i've written <laughs> I, I i read and that includes books wrestling books non wrestling
1: magazine articles I read whatever I'm like, oh, I should have said it this way and so yeah.
0: I cringe. <laughs> I think one of the cool things um again digging around some of these old uh magazines and it's just been kind of a thing I've been going through the last couple of weeks since I unearthed all these magazines, and my wife's gonna kill me because they're all over the house now um but <laughs> but you read um you know and and we talked to to Bob Smith on the podcast here last week where we look are looking to have uh more of kind of these writers from from years ago uh but when when you talk about um uh, you know those glory days and names like um, uh, Andy Rodriguez and, um, Craig Peters, you, they overlap with your time. That's how long you've been around now, Dan. Um, they overlap with you. I mean, some of those names are, I think, in this very magazine.
1: Yeah. The, the very first time when I first started, um, you know, well, um, I, I called in uh, to pitch a story and, uh, I got Stu on the phone and it was just, oh my God, you know, cause I've been reading the magazine since I was 11 and, Number one, Stu Sachs is a real person? What? (laughs) And and number two, he's on the phone with me. That's incredible. Uh, Then the second time I had to call in, I called for Stu, but apparently Bill After picked up Stu's phone. And he had said, Stu's phone, but I just thought he said, Stu something. So I started talking to him and I, I went for like a minute and a half and then he stopped and he goes, Oh no, this is Bill, not Stu. Hold on. I'm like, Oh my God, that was Bill after. <laughs> um,
0: and from,
1: from there, uh, Craig Peters was, was my first editor. I'd have to send everything to his email address. Well, at first I I'd actually faxed the stories in, um, because we didn't send them by email. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would fax them in and, uh, then email the stories to Craig. And then eventually Brandy, my who I, I still talk to daily, uh, and Dave Lenker and, yeah, and, yep. and Harry,
0: obviously. Yeah, and Frank, Harry, yeah, uh, I think uh, he still got you beat by a little bit, yeah. And oh, yeah, still yeah, around yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: You've got the seniority, but I, I've got the, uh, I, you know, I, I'd like to see, I mean, I don't know, but I, maybe Bill's got the record for the most words written for the magazine, because, I mean, at that time, yeah. you know, we had five or six magazines. Well, but 500 alone would put you in in the running, I would think. Exactly. Yes, you know. So, I mean, if I'm not number one, I'm at least in the top three. I think of the most words written for the PWI magazine.
0: Yeah. So, So do I get your office now? (laughs) (laughs) You can have the corner
1: office. Yeah, that's uh, the luxurious
0: office suite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, uh and I know uh, we still got some time here thankfully. We're going to have you uh here for for the next several months and we'll make the most of it, but um again, we're we're going to miss you dearly and uh but we're very happy to hear that that you're moving on bigger better things. Uh I hope you you won't forget about us. Uh No, and... no, not at all. Thank you. <laughs> uh so uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the latest issue of Pro Wrestling uh, Illustrated. It is uh the PWI Poll issue and uh what is the Cover date. I only, we're always a few months behind. Would this be like July or something? Let me say. Uh... I think July sounds about
1: right because the cover date for the uh, women's 100 was February. It's June. So March, April is the current one. It's okay, June. Okay, so it's, it's June. June. Okay. Yep.
0: Uh, and it's not, I'm sorry. It's not the poll. It's the report cards. Yeah, you should know this. Uh, you're putting them together. Well, and... I'm sorry. I... I'm working on the the, the the poll now, so that's where okay. my head is. Yep, yeah. and and the the again later this week the, the issue that drops is the uh, report cards issue. It's also got our uh, annual WrestleMania feature. It's got a feature on AEW uh, and uh, a lot more. Uh, have you have you seen it yet? I have not. No, I thought I saw the cover and then I saw the cover disappear. Uh, I feel like it was briefly. Uh, on our uh, Twitter handle, uh, as, but maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm imagining things, uh, but uh, another fantastic issue, the uh, PWA report card, an- another measure that we do every year of uh, how everybody in the sport is, is advancing, progressing in, in their career, um, you put that together, and uh, again, my WrestleMania feature this year looks at, um, it's 35 sort of mini lists, uh, of talking about the best intercontinental title match, the best tag team title match, the best uh, celebrity involvement. Uh, We go into the the most, the best, uh, what do we call it? Like sympathetic or emotional moment. It was, it was a chance to throw a a bone to uh, Randy and Liz at WrestleMania seven. But we talk about (laughs) the best crowds, the best venues, uh, everything. So it it was a really fun to, to put together. um, And, you know, a good accompaniment to WrestleMania, something that is sort of evergreen and timeless. Uh, if you get you're having the WrestleMania party, having your friends over, you want to look back. Uh, it, it it's a fun thing to have in front of you. Uh, and what you want to do is go to PWI-Online.com. You can pick up the one issue, uh, download it directly to your uh, desktop, laptop, mobile device, what have you, um, or subscribe either to the to the digital edition or the print edition. Uh, the longer you subscribe for it, the deeper the savings. And uh, that digital edition comes out uh, weeks ahead of time. So that's supposed to drop uh, March 7th. The actual print edition uh, doesn't come out till April 2nd, so you're talking um, almost an extra month. So a digital edition is uh, certainly a way to go if you want it fast um, and you want to customize for your... A mobile device uh, again p w i onlinecom online dot uh, com we plan to uh again talk a lot more about this issue i i i feel strongly about incorporating uh, more of the magazine into this podcast, making this podcast kind of the uh the the ideal sort of uh partner uh you know to to the magazine so um you know, one of the things that we're hoping to do uh, in, in the future, and I guess I'm going to have to be doing a lot more of it uh, in a few months, is having uh, so, uh, some more of the writers on um, to talk about, you know, share their thoughts on our current events and also talk about what they're working on for the magazine. So uh, I guess we're we're pretty early, but but now you're already looking ahead to the PWI poll, Dan? Yeah. Yeah. I'm already compiling that. We uh, we've
1: reached out to our, our panelists. We, we reach out to a select group of subscribers and uh, contact them with a list of 50 questions. So getting that all together, you know, everything from who is pound for pound, the the best wrestler in the world. Um, We've added a lot of questions now to reflect the the rise of women's wrestling. So we have uh, the best pound for pound wrestler in the world and the best pound for pound pound female, Um, you know, best high flyer, best high flying female. And a lot of things about, you know, what's wrestling's most devastating maneuver, some things about trends, about AEW. It's it's really a nice barometer for where the sport uh, is. Uh, and who the, the fans, the PWI readers, the people listening to this podcast in some cases, in many cases, hopefully, um, what their thoughts are on where the sport is and uh, what they like and what they don't like. And, uh, it's a really kind of revealing look. It's, it's one of our more unique issues every year, because again, this one isn't, uh, it's not us, it's not the editorial team. This is really, I mean, the editorial team comes up with the questions, uh, but it's really this, this kind of a uh, random sample of our readers that, uh, form the responses. Yeah. And it's really nice because you, you've seen over the past maybe 10 years or so uh, in particular that, that I can think of um, how much more nuanced and, and uh, educated our, our fans or our readers uh, on the panel are. Um, at one point, the PWI panel, or the PWI poll used to be uh, conducted by uh, industry insiders. We'd reach out to different wrestlers and promoters and matchmakers and just people on the inside and, and it would be an insider's poll uh, once you made the change to the fans, um, you would get a lot more kind of WWE-centric answers and, and more big names than than you would get before. But it was more indicative of the general fan um, base and their knowledge base. Uh, that's not the case anymore. I mean, there's a lot of of uh, representation of New Japan and the Independents and AEW and and all over. Even you know the, the the Joshi world, which was virtually invisible three or four years ago. Uh, now, you know, a lot of people know not just stardom, but Ice Ribbon and the different promotions, Sendai Girls, things like that. Um, so there's there's a real diverse um, bunch of feedback that's reflected in the poll, and uh, I think it's really a cool thing to see. In, in fact, uh, I think it was last year's poll, maybe it was two years ago, but I think it was last year. No, it had to be two years ago. Kyrie um, Hojo, now known as Kyrie Sane. Um, was either the winner, I think you're the winner or the second finalist in the uh, best uh, high flyer female division. And at that time, she hadn't been in WWE. Um, you know, very few people really in the mainstream knew who she was, but there was this buzz around her, and our fans, our readers picked up on it, and she had this high showing. And then six months after that, there she is in WWE with the Mae Young Classic. So uh, I think that this poll has gone from being kind of, uh, you know, the casual fans to fans who are really at the cusp and, and see what's coming before, uh, in some cases, before even WWE does.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's always a, a, a fun feature. Um, not not to get too ahead of, of ourselves. Hearing you talk about that, it it just kind of made me think, oh my God, who is going to do all this stuff? Uh, so, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, trying to figure this out and 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 maybe people uh, having a whole lot of work dropped on them in the next several months. So we'll figure it out. Uh, not sure exactly what I'm doing for the issue uh, just yet. I think I'm going to be handling the hot seat interview. Um, we've got a potential, uh, a few potential candidates for it. I don't think we've nailed anything down. Um, I know we are looking for somebody outside of WWE and again, a, a few really compelling names. That we're trying to put together, so uh, we'll see about that. Is this? Would that also be the WrestleMania results issue? Yes. Okay. Uh, and that, that's another thing that you typically handle as well, right? That's the the real winners and losers. Again, not to get the winners too losers, ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but the, the new issue, actually, before that, you could pick up uh, the issue that's out right now, which is the Achievement Awards, uh, Becky Lynch, uh, on the cover. Uh, and again, later this week, we've got the brand-new June issue coming out with the uh, PWI report card. And now we're putting together the issue after that, which is the PWI poll, there's so many results, and so much more. So uh, we are full steam ahead. Uh, PWI-online.com is the place, uh, to go. Um, also follow us on, uh, Twitter at official PWI. Um, if you have got a, uh, a question for us, uh, or any kind of comments, what is the email? PWI at com for all your PWI questions and needs. Uh, and then finally, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, uh, actually got my shirt a couple days ago, uh, in the mail. And, um, that one was thankfully complimentary, but I threw a couple of bucks there away because I got one for my, both my kids, so uh, we're all going to match. Did you get yours yet? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had a chance to put it on yet, but uh, uh, it looks great.
1: It looks yeah. terrific. I, I, here's the thing. I, I had the thought, and I, I still might do it. I reserve the right to do this, but do you remember the classic uh, Missy Hyatt pose with the, the PWI <laughs> shirt? Do, do you remember it? I think so, yeah. Are you going to uh, have uh, it tied if, up in the front? You, we'll tie it up in the front with the little white bikini <laughs> bottoms, right? I, I'm thinking I'm going to do the exact same pose and run it side-by-side side with the who wore it better. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see what the voting
0: does. That would be a good way to to, to kind of uh, uh, market your, your exit from uh, PWI. It could be your swan song. <laughs> um, just me going off the defense.
1: end. Putting on the old bikini
0: bottoms and the tie up the, the, the front knot, the shirt, and... There we go. <laughs> well, you can uh, and and again, now uh, digging through all these magazines from from the past, uh, it really is an iconic shirt we used to uh have a lot of the wrestlers wear it uh, for the awards issue, that kind of thing. Uh and now you could finally own it yourself once again after all these years. Uh, Prowrestlingtees.com, uh pick it up there. Um again, get get one for you, get one for for your friends, uh you know, I I know a lot of people will be coming here to my area in New York. Um, for, for WrestleMania weekend. I hope and, and expect to see a lot of those T-shirts out there, a lot of people wearing them. So, again, Pro Wrestling Tees, uh, .com. uh And, obviously, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice review. You can pick it up uh, wherever you download your podcast. Subscribe to iTunes. Um, or uh, just stream it at pwi-online.com. All right, Dan, Uh, don't want to take too much time so we could get to your uh, newsmaking Becky Lynch interview, but a lot of other news, some of it uh, bad news. We just heard this morning of the passing of uh, King Kong Bundy. And uh, funny because he's um, one of these figures that I think for uh, real kind of devout wrestling fans, you know, not not the biggest name in the world. I mean, he he had his play, certainly an important figure, but but I I think a certain kind of fan like you and me uh, uh doesn't see him the re- the way the mainstream does because I can't remember when I saw this much mainstream attention to a wrestler's passing, and I think it's because he, that that look. Uh, that he had really embodied that 80s rock and wrestling uh, scene. You know, I think about all the, the knockoff of video games or uh, uh wrestling action figures that that weren't branded to any particular uh a federation, and there was always a guy who looked like King Kong Bundy because he was like the prototypical monster wrestler, right? I mean, uh, gigantic, big and round, bald, menacing, um, and Again, it it really resonated because from from CNN to um, uh, MSNBC, I, I've seen it just this morning all over the place. People reporting on on the passing of King Kong Bundy.
1: Yeah, it's it's a tough thing, and, and um, I mean, it, yes, and certainly the popularity. I mean, he he was in the main event of WrestleMania two, then WrestleMania three, and this is so weird to think of today, but. He wrestled Hulk Hogan for the title at, at the main event of WrestleMania 2. II. WrestleMania 3, he was in this weird undercard match where he re- teaming with two midgets against King or, uh, Hillbilly Jim, and he did the big splash on Little Beaver, I think it was. like he, he went from the main event to this match that was barely even on the card at all, just kind of a little throwaway thing, and he would be gone from the company a short time after that. Um, but... He he still became this kind of mainstream guy because he was doing uh, computer commercials, yeah, uh, kind of like a, a basic thing of almost like the Geico, you know, so easy a caveman can do it. Like even King Kong Bundy can work one of our Apple II computers. And uh, then because the uh, producers of uh, the TV show on Fox Married with Children uh, were wrestling fans, they decided to use his name. Yeah. Uh, so there was even a photo shoot of, like, you know, Al Bundy with King Kong Bundy. and He appeared on the yeah, show. He was, uh, uh,
0: I think, Peg's brother, maybe. He was oh, one of, maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah. He was one of the in-laws, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, he, he had that mainstream thing. And I, I this is the thing with social media now. I, I was asleep last night. I woke up around 3.30 or 4 in the morning, just, I don't know, absolutely looked at my phone and there it was just everybody posting that, that Bundy had just died. And it, it's tough because, um, you know, knowing a lot of wrestlers, I, I never had a chance to meet him uh, personally. Um, I mean, I think I've bumped into him in the bed, but never really spoken to him or, or anything like that. Uh, but see, knowing so many people who have, and it, it just, it, it never, uh, you never get used to it. You know, it's always, you, you see um, somebody in this little tent of, fraternity of, of wrestling, especially somebody you grew up watching as a kid. And once they go, it, it's just, uh, it, it's sad. You know, I, I felt the same way with Umaga. I felt the same way with, you know, lots of these guys after they pass, you, you just kind of feel it on a, a nostalgic level, but also a personal level, even if you were just passing acquaintances with the guy, but, uh, he'll definitely be missed and, uh, he was an underrated. Uh, performer. I mean, he was never a technical Marvel or anything, but even his old matches in world-class against the Von Eriks and, and his matches against Andre against, uh, Van Ban Bigelow, like, even his final run with the, the million dollar corporation in the nineties. Um, you know, he was, he was a heck of a, a bigger than life performer.
0: Yeah. I, and, and again, for him, I think it really was about the look, the appearance, um, uh, such a, a memorable presence. Um, And he was a staple of of the indie scene here in the Northeast up until, I mean, within the last 15 years or so. I remember being backstage at an indie show maybe in the early 2000s and him kicking around. Uh, And because he was, um, you know, never in great shape, he was just a big round guy, Uh, never obviously had to uh, worry about losing his hair because uh, he, (laughs) he had that bald look. He could do his act. Well into to his fifties, uh, I think, and even if you saw him as of late, I mean, he's starting to look like an older older gentleman, obviously, uh, but he still basically looked like King Kong Bundy. So, um, you know, I think that speaks to a, a really important part of the wrestling business, and it's just nailing that look, and and he did. Um, it, it's interesting when when you talk about. That '80s rock and wrestling era of WWE that um, they're they're so proud to embrace WWE. I talked to a little bit about it with Bob Smith how they kind of act like the '70s never happened, but uh, the the '80s were everything. And really, um, pretty much all, all the stars, kind of mid card and, and up from that era, are uh, embraced. Most of them are are in the uh, WWE uh, Hall of Fame. Certainly, you'd think a WrestleMania main eventer working against Hulk Hogan in, in kind of, you know, their peak years uh, would be, yet they never did. You know, um, I don't know if they just never got around to it, uh, but but he, and again, not that he was this super influential, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, if, if there is such a thing, but he is the kind of guy, when you look at the kind of names that are in the WWE Hall of Fame, that you you thought they would have gotten to by now, and and they never did. You, you have any thoughts on, on why that might be? You know, I can't
1: understand that, the Hall of Fame. I mean, is, is Tory Wilson is that a real thing? Did yes. does that really get announced? Or was yep, that okay? Yep. See, I mean, I, I can't understand the the. the uh, I mean, I know it's just a marketing thing. That's all it is: It's to attract names, it's to whatever. But um, and the other thing that's particularly galling with that, I mean, yeah, Bundy is is he headlined a WrestleMania. He was a mainstream star. Uh, but at the same time, a, a little bit under the radar, the announcement was made that uh, the destroyer, Dick Fire yep. is uh, going into hospice care. And, um, also you bad know, news I've about Harley race, another... race
0: over the last week.
1: But I, I heard the fact I'd walked back that that, uh, right? that it wasn't terminal. Okay, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's where right. I'd read. So I'm not sure where that's, that status is. But the, the destroyer is a guy who I know that his, his family and some supporters were making a big push a couple of years ago to get him into the Hall of Fame. Uh, There's a petition and some other things. He was backstage at raw in his hometown here in, in Buffalo, New York. And uh, I think he did. I think he got on the Chris Jericho podcast too. Jericho wanted to talk to him. And um, it, I think they kind of included him in like the legacy mass induction that they did. But here's a guy who who had like a 35 year career was one of the first Americans to really make it in Japan, uh, had these epic matches with Ricky Dozen and with giant Baba and, and, and stayed active in wrestling. I mean, he still goes to the Cauliflower Alley Club. He still takes groups over to Japan and, and works as an ambassador. And, um, and, and that's a guy who he's still not in the WWE Hall of Fame, but Tory Wilson is. So, I mean, it, it's just, uh, it's a little bit, I mean, it's just ridiculous, really. Is is all it is. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, Bundy is certainly he's got his legacy. Whether or not they decide that that's Hall of Fame caliber, that's really just WWE's. Uh, that's that's their
0: problem. And and the fact is, I mean, you could put in any of these people at any uh, time. And and some people they just for whatever reason they've taken a long time uh, to get to them. There's not even necessarily any kind of uh, heat or anything there. I mean, Bob Backlund comes to mind. He he was only put in uh, about five years or so um, ago. So you know maybe maybe bundy and and some of these others are are uh in the plans uh as well you know uh bam bam is one that's talked about a lot i, I there's some buzz that he might go in uh, this year uh but this always comes up this time of year during during the hall of fame and everybody stresses about how ridiculous the hall of fame is i think once you accept what it is right i mean it is um it's a gimmick it is a a marketing uh a thing it is uh, an event to sell tickets to over wrestlemania um, weekend, it's fine, but but the other part of that, uh, again, I think is that you you do need to leave some people off, so you'll have somebody to f- to flesh out a show uh, next year, and the year after that, and the year after that. Um, so you know, I I do think they've they've done a fair job of getting uh, the the vast majority of the. Uh, WWE legends, um, you know. Again, if if you look at it just as a wrestling Hall of Fame, there's tons of guys who who are omitted. But uh, in terms of uh, WWE, and even a step beyond that, Vince McMahon's WWE, uh, and and so essentially you're talking uh, early mid '80s when when he took over the company. I think the Hall of Fame is a fair reflection of his vision for who the stars um, over the last, you know, what it is, close to 40 years uh, have been. And, um, you know, they finally got Savage in there. They finally got um, the Warrior in there, Bret Hart, Bruno Sammartino. Those were kind of the real big uh omissions. Yeah, those
1: were the, the glaring omissions, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, but, you know, I think it's just talk of, of Brutus Beefcake this year. Um, that's out there. I, I think he's in that Bundy kind of territory, um, so... Uh, but you know more than anything when people talk about you know what are, are uh the the you know what gets you in there um the reality is they need a headliner right they need a tag team they need a woman and they need a black guy uh look at the last several years of the hall of fame and that's the formula uh and one more yeah. and they need a dead guy uh at least uh a one so uh you know, I think they've checked most of those boxes off in the last few weeks. They got their tag team, they got their... And in some cases, you got to dig pretty deep because I, I think in particular for for the women, I, I think 10, 15 years from now is going to be less of a problem because they'll have this kind of heyday uh, to choose from. But when you look at when, how women were represented in WWE before a certain year, you know, people kind of laugh at Tori Wilson, but she's probably as good as, as any in terms of... Um, Holding a certain value, uh never much of a, of a wrestler, and and I think by her own admission, uh, you know that wasn't what she did. But when you talk about that that divas era, the brawn panties era, yeah, she she stood out as much as any, and and maybe more. Got some notoriety for for dating Alex Rodriguez and 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 all that. So uh I mean, I I think it's fair to say because this is why she, you know, was in the business and really what she brought to the table a gorgeous, gorgeous woman, right? I mean, even by uh, WB diva standards, really, she had something special about her. Um, so, But if,
1: if you go through, and, and certainly she did. She was, an, she was a star. She just wasn't a wrestler, but yeah. she was a star. And, and if it's going to be a wrestling Hall of Fame, then no, she shouldn't be in it. If it's just a personality Hall of Fame and you have your Donald Trump and, and things like that, okay, fine. But still, I think if you're going to do that, um, yes, she was a, a bigger name star than some of these people, but you got to go back... And, and check it off, you know, okay, uh, Medusa's in, what about and Robin? What about Sensational Sherry? Yeah, is Sherry's in. in, yeah. But then, then uh, Princess Victoria, what about Velvet McIntyre? What about Donna one. Christianella? Uh, what about Miss the Elizabeth. Jumping Bomb Angels?
0: How about Miss Elizabeth? Miss, I mean, that's well, one that, that's uh, yeah. kind of an omission, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there, there's so many other ones that, that, if you really want to kind of go back and, I mean, yes, you're going to sell more tickets probably if, if you announce the Tori Wilson rather than Donna Christianella. Uh, or, but, but I mean, say like the Jumping Bomb Angels. I mean, mm-hmm. the impact that the Jumping Bomb Angels had was so much more, in, you know, than, than what Tori did. But I mean, they, they changed the, the face of the sport. It just didn't yeah. take in WWF. It, it took place in in Japan. And it actually, and would be a good WWE time to do it. Eventually I mean, caught up to it.
0: Now that they've yeah, got now a women's tag time. team championship, I mean, you could see uh, Bailey and, and Sasha being the ones to induct her. make all the sense in the world. Um but, you know, perfect. Maybe they do it next year. You know there'll be another Hall of Fame next year, and the year after that, and the year after that. So, um, who knows? Maybe eventually they get, they get to all these. Um, so uh, on the topic of WrestleMania, again, since we last spoke, we we uh, know a lot more. Um, Roman Reigns is back, and uh, it, it's not clear uh, what he's doing, but but certainly that's that's good news. You know, most of all, just that he appears to be uh, in in improving health. I don't know if it's fair to say fair to say good health. Having cancer and remission doesn't mean. You are cured of cancer, but, but obviously that, that's absolutely good news. Um, the Not really clear what they're doing for WrestleMania. It looks like they're doing the Shield reunion for for Fastlane in about a week. And um, I think the case there is it's just sort of now or never with uh, talk of, of Dean Ambrose leaving at, uh, right after WrestleMania. You can't put it off, so um, they're going to go ahead and get one last uh, Shield reunion. There's talk of maybe uh, uh, Baron Corbin, um you know, honestly, I'm okay with that. Uh, if this is the year that that Roman kind of takes a little bit of a backseat, that's happened over the years. I remember um, this is about ten years ago when when Batista was still a pretty hot act. They had him work with Umaga uh, in in kind of the upper mid card of a WrestleMania, and sometimes. It's just a way it it works. Sometimes you're you're not really in the mix, and and he stepped away from a few months. Um, uh, if he comes back, I think it's fine. You put him in there, and whatever it would be a seven minute match. Uh, have him go over clean on 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 Baron, and the one thing you've got going is, uh, there's no way you know that a uh, Baron Corbin get gets cheered over over Roman Reigns. I mean, in in that way, it's it it kind of makes sense that if if you wanted to be absolutely sure that the heel is not going to be uh cheered um, that's the guy. Uh, and, and, you know, we could debate if it's the right kind of heat, but, but certainly he's got heat. Um, so uh, any thoughts on, on the news of Roman Reigns return?
1: Obviously, I mean, <clears throat> I think that we can give the achievement award out right now. You know, it, it's, it's come back of year 2019, yeah. I think. Um, I mean, it's great news. It's, it's an inspiring story. Um, but Maybe it's just an unnatural pessimist, I think. Uh, There's two things that come out of it that that worry me. One is all of the fans that went online and complained, thinking that the leukemia was a storyline or it was a work. Um, That, oh my gosh, he had leukemia and he stepped away and he came back. This is just WWE's way of trying to make him more popular and more sympathetic because if he really had leukemia, he wouldn't be back just six months later, which is ridiculous. I mean, WWE is it's done some pretty uh, manipulative things to try to uh, in, enhance uh, ratings or, or, you know, get people talking, but uh, you know, uh, they've never faked cancer. They faked Vince Man blowing up in a limo. Um, <laughs> they faked Al Wilson dying in, in bed with uh, Don Marie, uh, but not, you know, I mean, this, this is legit. Um, and it, it's kind of the, the, that kind of backlash or that response is a really kind of negative look uh, at wrestling fans. Like, you know, come on, you know, you're seeing something real and genuine and you're still being conspiracy theorists about it. And you know, it, it's a bad look for, for wrestling fans, that segment of wrestling fans in general, I think. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing of it is that, uh, you know, Roman Reigns right now, he's as sympathetic and as big of a baby face as he'll ever be, except the fact remains, he's still not a great promo guy. His wrestling you're is still a little right bit limited. Now. And I think six to eight months from now, People are going to kind of forget about the leukemia, and it's going to be, oh, Roman Reigns again. You know, they're shoving him down our throat. Um,
0: I don't and, even and think that's it takes that long. Out. I'm not even sure it's it's six to eight months, you know, and, and you're right. I mean, uh, just a few weeks ago, the, the the thought of Roman Reigns ever being booed again was unfathomable. But um, really, what's changed, right? I mean, I, I think he's going to have a little bit of a honeymoon period, uh, and then... He's gonna get back in that top mix. I imagine back in the the universal title picture and and dominating uh, main events. And it will be um, kind of a you know I think there would be a moment there where fans will be like, well, is it okay to boo this guy? He just came back from cancer. And then I think it will pass, and we're right back where um, we were uh, a while back. And and I don't you know I I I don't I'm not necessarily uh saying that there's a better way to do it or or anything. I just think it's kind of an inevitable reality that we're the clock is ticking and I don't even know if it's six to eight months.
1: Yeah, that's possible. Now here's the thing too, that imagine this scenario. <clears throat> we we just had Batista return and attack Ric Flair backstage and, and lead to obviously a triple H versus Batista match at WrestleMania. Um or at least that looks like the current direction. Imagine if Batista was gonna come back for for a big WrestleMania show and instead of putting him in, in there against triple H, you put him in there against Roman reigns. I mean, that's a match that hasn't happened before. Yeah. It's interesting. It looks good on a poster. It's like, Oh my God, that's Drax. And that's Roman reigns. Like that's, you know, that's, that's a marquee matchup. And it's an opportunity where Roman can beat somebody who the fans are conditioned to boo. He's a part-time guy. And, and he's, he's coming out as a heel. He just attacked Ric Flair. Um, And and it can actually help. It can help Roman Reigns. He can beat an established guy in in that torch, the the passing of the torch. But instead, it's another one of these matches where it's, oh, it's Triple H. And it's another guy from the past. And it doesn't matter if Triple H wins because he's already Triple H. It's not going to do anyone any favors. It's, you don't need to be putting over a guy in his mid-40s who's an executive. You need to get these other guys to that level of Batista and things like that so that they seem special. But, again, it's, it's a typical, you know, Triple H wants to get his win back. You know, he, he lost to uh, Batista at a WrestleMania, and now he has an opportunity to do it. And Batista is a big star, and Batista gets a payday. So, you know, forget about the long-term booking, the long-term strategy, or the concept of building new stars. Let's just get the old guys out there on top for another disappointing match and big payday, like the crown jewel. Yeah. So it's it's just um, it is frustrating that that's where the booking is and it's just stagnant like that.
0: Yeah, I, I uh, agree for the most part. Uh, I'm not convinced that Triple H will win that match. I mean, I I could certainly see it if I had to pick a winner. I suppose I'd I'd pick uh, Triple H, but I think it's it's certainly possible that uh, they give uh, Batista the victory, if only to kind of stretch this out a, a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, I I uh, I think Batista looked great. Um, I I liked uh for for the most part the angle last week. I thought it was well executed. Uh but uh I think they, they undid a lot of that last night on Raw with Triple H's promo. Uh first of all, it's just preposterous that you're you're casting Triple H as the babyface um in, in this feud. Uh come on. I mean people love Batista he, he's a star. He's been gone for so long. He left us a babyface. Uh he's a big movie star. And Triple H every week is just cutting the legs off of all, uh, you know, his, his uh, employees on, on the roster, and basically doing the shtick that that Vince McMahon did years ago, and that makes him a sympathetic uh, a babyface. Um, so yeah, I've got. I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think Batista and Roman Reigns would make a lot more sense. I'll give them um, a pass in that. I imagine some of this is kind of coming together in the in the eleventh hour in terms of. Uh, having Roman back in the mix and and by then uh I imagine th- they had been planning this storyline with uh Batista for for some time so um it, it doesn't mean they can't pivot as we we've seen them do with Kofi Kingston in in just the last few weeks that seems like a huge pivot so uh but it's clear that Triple H wants this uh Dave Batista wants this and it is a money match absolutely so I I don't have a huge problem with it uh, uh one thing you know, you touched on, on kind of the, the bad taste um, from from some of the way uh, the, the cancer diagnosis has been handled on TV. What do you think about them bringing in Reed Flair's death last night um, on, on Raw? Uh, I hate stuff like this. And and at the same time, it's kind of happening with the Ronda Rousey-Becky Lynch feud as well. I hate that the whole... This is so, you know, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, WCW, the, the whole... This part is real. All the other stuff you're seeing is fake, but this part is real. And you know it because we're talking about uh, Ric Flair's dead kid. Uh, it's just, it, I don't think it sells one more ticket. And, and In fact, it probably, I can almost say objectively, it's going to drive away more fans than it's going to attract. So, uh, and, and you you would just think that Triple H, um, I, I'd say Ric Flair, but I imagine he's got no say in this, but some of the people making decisions here, you would think they would know better.
1: It can be done. Uh, I mean, like the Ronda Rousey doing the, you know, I don't care what the script says. I'm going to, next time I see you, I'm going to kick your ass on on Twitter. Okay, it's a little bit silly, but at least it's on Twitter. It's not like it's on WWE Yeah, I don't have as big a problem with
0: that one. But but the notion that, uh, first of all, I mean, this promo that Triple H is cutting where he's trying to, uh, you know, convince fans that he's shooting – Comes off of what you know, what was just another wrestling angle. Does anybody believe Dave Batista, the movie star, uh, attacked Ric Flair, a uh, seven year old Ric Flair, and, and and almost killed him? Uh, no, I, I don't, I, I thought it was a fine angle. I think, I think it's a fine way to go. Uh, but there's just no yeah. need to take that extra step to say, no, this is real. Well, and and
1: if you're really paying attention on it, it, it was <clears throat> when okay, so Batista goes in the back, uh, of Ric Flair's locker room. And I love that wherever, whatever arena they travel to, they, they bring the little sticker that says Ric Flair's locker room, you know, whatever <laughs> that's on the door, a little yeah. placard. So you, you hear like a little commotion. And after like three minutes, Batista is dragging out Flair, you know, and, and leaves him in the hallway. Flair is holding on to the vest of his suit, right? So that he's basically pulling down the vest so that uh, Batista can pull him by the collar. So it's not, you know, choking him or anything like that. Which is okay. That, that makes sense. Obviously, you know the camera really shouldn't necessarily pick up on that. And but you really got to be paying attention to kind of notice it. But he drags him and then let's go flare. And Flair instinctively then straightens his shirt before he put his hands onto his shirt.
0: Yeah.
1: Like because <laughs> oh, because it bunched up, you know. And it's just like oh come on, like it's it's just I mean it's I know it's real a small little detail, but um, if you notice it, it just takes you right out of it. Even as much as like a gigantic 280 pound man throttling a 70 year old man and, you know, not a mark on him. You no
2: know, Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, but yeah. uh, so yeah. So if you're going to make it a wrestling angle, like you were saying, it can be a little cartoony. You can, you can have the suspension of disbelief, uh, but then to try to make it, you know, I buried his, his son with him. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah that I, is I really, a really do think
0: some things should be pretty much off limits. If only, out of respect to Ric Flair. I mean, I just don't think it's something that, that you want to bring up. Um, I, I don't get the, the upside of it. And, and beyond that, we kind of talked about this, uh, a few weeks ago at, at the Royal Rumble, where you had all these women doing Kofi uh, Kingston's shtick in, in the Rumble with, with, um, avoiding being tossed out by some kind of wacky stunt. Um, it, it feels a little bit like that again here with the Ronda Rousey thing. It's like, uh, it, it, I, I'm okay with Rhonda and uh, uh Becky having this Twitter war that kind of blurs the lines. Because I think uh uh in that case with them more than most, you can do that because I think it plays off of probably some some real resentment, not necessarily that Becky Lynch has towards Ronda Rousey, but um or or anybody in particular, but it's certainly easy for fans to believe, I think, that uh, some of these women might have some some resentment um, for Rhonda coming in here with with no experience and uh, getting everything that she's gotten. Um, so and and they press some buttons that um, okay. you know
1: were, were I remember when we, we interviewed Rhonda,
0: and yeah.
1: and she really talked about how she she didn't have that experience. You know, she was, came in with welcome arms. You know, so uh, but yeah, and so I think leave it for them. Yeah,
0: I mean, so, I for for purpose, yeah. I mean I, so so let them have that. You know, pseudo shoot kind of. Uh, feud uh but then triple h goes and 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 batista they go and and basically do the same thing uh with with something that is a a lot i mean if there were stories out there about dave batista and triple h having some heat you know it'd be one thing but it's just so contrived and it's unnecessary you know it's it's just it doesn't need to be that kind of feud um so uh Real quick, uh, and I, I want to get to the interview, but, but real quick, uh, your thoughts on, on everything that's happened with Kofi Kingston in in the last few weeks. Um, they pulled him out of the fast Fastlane uh, uh, main event, uh, but all signs po- or point to that actually being a good thing because it looks like he will be slotted into the, the world title match at WrestleMania, which is just absolutely unthinkable uh, just a few months ago that Kofi Kingston would be getting uh, the shot. I think it's terrific. I, I, I love the storyline. I, I love that it's kind of organic um i've you know been cheering for for kofi for uh, a long long time i think back to uh that that raw in madison square garden uh in 2008 where he dove on we're to randy orton. orton and the place just went crazy and we're ready to accept him as as a top star and wwe just never really uh pushed the trigger uh, on this one all these years later i feel like they're getting another chance and are are doing it right and and um Uh, Not only do I think he should get the world title shot at WrestleMania, I think he should win it. And, and I think you would have, you know, a real emotional, sincere pop and kind of release from fans. And there's that, that aspect of it. But I think just in terms of business, you know, New Day has been this really hot act for WWE for a number of years now, sells tons of merchandise. They, they try to find something for them to do all the time, you know, um, they they hosted that that New Year special on on USA. They hosted WrestleMania uh, a year or two ago. Um, I mean, you see them all over the place. I, I think uh, younger people uh, have even a different appreciation for them. My, my kids uh, watch this big YouTube show that's really popular, uh, Good Mythical Morning, and there they were co-hosting in in the absence of of the regular host. So uh, these are are it is a legit uh, a major star act. But the problem with New Day has always been that they're in the tag team division. There's only so much you could do with them, right? I mean, th- there's not other stars for, for them um, to work with. So if you could take this act that has been uh, a really important act and have one of the guys be uh, a, a main event star, a world champion, I, I mean, I, I don't think it could have worked out any better for WWE. Well, yeah,
1: it, it is definitely something that in, in the fans, I mean, he's a great baby face. He's, he's a great... Um, not, not as polished as a wrestler as this, but a great Ricky, the dragon steamboat, just a guy that you want to see win and and you, you, you can get that, you know, whether or not he could be a long running champion, steamboat never was, it was always, the money was in the chase and steamboat finally beating flair. And then 40 days later losing the title. And and that was kind of the the steamboat path. Um, I can see Kofi doing something like that. I can see them breaking up the new day. I don't think they would, but I can see them. Uh, having Big E, for example, get jealous and cost him the match, or, or what I'd really like to see is say they do have that moment they have uh, a Kofi win, you give that you know that that great fan moment of of you know a guy that everybody likes winning the the championship and Daniel Bryan healing the whole time, um, but then the next night on Raw. Uh, big E challenging him to a match and saying listen i'm you know i'm doing this as a brother or, or even Kofi, Kofi uh suggesting it to big E you know you're a guy who never got your opportunity. I had to wait ten years for my opportunity. you needed you know I'm giving you an opportunity tonight not as you know not as enemies but as as brothers and and letting those two guys go out there and work a match you know thirty forty minutes, something along those lines." Uh, just a pure babyface, babyface match. Because it's so rare in WWE. I mean, they've done that in Ring of Honor and other places, and it can work. Um, but, you know, who knows where it will end up going. But I think there's a lot of intrigue and a lot of potentially really good storylines. Uh, either way, if they put the belt on Kofi or not. Uh, but you're right. The fact that they do have him in this this kind of uh, main event level uh, echelon now after years of kind of being stagnant, the tag team division, it's uh, definitely uh, great for all three of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and the other part of this, I mean, l- let's not uh, uh, act like it isn't the case. It, it is uh, a real big coup for them to have a black star. It, it's been a long time since they've had one. Uh, they're very conscious about that stuff. Uh, again, I touched on the Hall of Fame. They always got to have uh, a, a black uh, a star uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. And in some years, again, they, they haven't had a lot uh, I mean, there's no shortage of great black wrestlers, but when um, you, you look at it just in terms of that WWE's history, look, they they put in uh, who was it a couple of years ago that uh, I was like, really? Uh, God, it just escapes my mind. Was it Coco? So- Coco be aware. was one, but there was there was. Yeah. Uh, um, but forget about Hall of Fame. When's the last time they had a guy on top? Uh, who, who was a, a black star? I mean, they, they're you know they've got Lashley now and and some others, but a a world champion and a babyface world champion, and beyond that, a babyface world champion that is super over. Um, you know, I I th- I think they should jump at this opportunity uh, absolutely. And and like you said, I I don't think he needs to go on a a year long run, but um, you know, beyond all that, he's a hell of a wrestler. You know, and he's capable of, uh, as we saw in in um, the Elimination Chamber. He's capable of having some fantastic matches uh, against Dan O'Brien, against AJ Styles, against lots of guys there. So uh, I I am all about it. Yeah, I and and just happy to see you know a guy who's put in his time, put up with a lot. I mean, before New Day, uh, there were some stretches there where it was just like, what are they doing with Kofi? I mean, he he really had nothing going on, but always seemed to have a good attitude, big smile, you know. Uh, giving it his all in the ring. So it's just super cool to see that um, get rewarded. So, uh, all right, Dan, why don't I let you um, throw to uh, our interview here? All right, here it is. This is a
1: talk that we had that will appear in its entirety, obviously here on the podcast, but also the print edition and the uh, upcoming edition of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, But it is my discussion with Becky Lynch, the man, talking about her uh, her road to WrestleMania and what she has on the horizon and beyond that.
3: All right, Becky, thank you very much for making the time. I'm glad that you're able to join us here for this interview. Uh, As we start, I'd just like to really kind of begin by congratulating you. Uh, You're on the cover of the current issue of PWI, and you were named Woman of the Year by PWI Readers. Uh, What was your reaction when you received that news?
2: Oh, I was absolutely delighted, um, and it was uh, it, it was wonderful because um, much like my time in WWE, uh, the, the machine didn't take me to be number one. You guys didn't take me to be number one, but the fans did. The fans picked me to be number one, so it felt very symbolic, and I was uh, I was delighted.
3: And, you know, you're, you're right, uh, because the issue before that, we actually did the uh, the women's 100, uh, you were ranked number 11 in that, um, and uh, you did respond with a tweet saying, uh, you know, the only way I should be in 11 is if the question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, how hot is Becky Lynch right now? And then when Stu Sachs, our publisher, responded, you asked whether or not Stu was short for stupid. Uh, so it, it's definitely a different response from uh, the, how you felt with the women's 100.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, but this is how it is. This is how it is. I'm not the chosen one um, by the people in charge. I'm the chosen one by the people. And that's what resonates with me. That's what's important to me because because that's the reason I go out there and, and, and do what I do every single night. That's why I love to go out there and do what I do every single night because of the people, because of the people on the front of and because they love what I do as much as I love what I do. And that's really special that, that
3: we have that bond. Terrific. And you mentioned kind of not being the chosen one. Um, to shift the focus a little bit to Ronda Rousey and, and WrestleMania, uh, once Ronda really quickly won the, the women's title and really established herself as one of the most popular acts in WWE, uh, last summer it looked like she could be a bona fide uh, main eventer for WrestleMania. And a lot of people speculated, and I was one, that Charlotte would be the, the likely candidate. Um, but right around that time is when you became the man. You you got hot. And, and did you think that that speculation or those rumors about Charlotte and Ronda having a featured match at Mania kind of lit a fire under you or inspired you? Or were you aware of that kind of talk uh, kind of going around at that time?
2: I think everybody was. Uh, I think everybody was aware of what's going on. At that time, but it's my goal to main event WrestleMania, and that's what I set out to do. That's what I said I was going to do when I moved over here and got signed to NXT. I said I'm going to main event WrestleMania. I didn't know I was going to be the first woman to do it, but it was my intention. Um, And uh, and, and, uh, I feel like, of course, the two chosen ones were going to be chosen to be put in the main event of WrestleMania, but. I've been the one that's made it interesting and made it non-negotiable.
3: Okay, and now along those lines, saying that you wanted to main event WrestleMania and having that as a goal, I know that you started wrestling young, I think around 15 you were training, and you stepped away a few years later with injuries and other things that you were looking into. When you were that young, when you were 19 and taking a sabbatical from wrestling, did you ever think that the, the goal of making it to WrestleMania, let alone headlining, do you think that that was something that was still there, or had you kind of shut that door in your head until years later when it kind of reopened? Um, it, could you at that age, at that time, ever imagine yourself being in the position that you're in right now?
2: Man, it's, uh, that's a really good question because I was actually talking about that the other night. And uh, so when I left, uh, it sounds super dramatic, but it, 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 it felt like a death to me, you know, because it was this thing that I loved more than anything. And, and you know, and it was what I identified with. Um, I, I was I was working as a wrestler and then all of a sudden I wasn't the wrestler. So who the hell was Rebecca? And uh, it, it was my whole goal that I just I wanted to change the landscape. I wanted to just go out there and, and wrestle and make people care. And then all of a sudden, I was just lost with no goals, no ambitions, and felt like I let everybody down. And I was so ashamed. Like I just remember that—just, just pure shame of of not. Being able to, to to know what I was going to do with myself, not being able to own up to the fact that I wasn't doing it, or that I was confused about it, um, and I just I thought that was it. But that was the the door closed for me for for life. And it was this fear of success, the fear of failure, this fear of uh, I don't know. Um, of, of the future really. And uh and, and, and I went into a depression and um, but I would always write in my journal that, you know, like I felt, feel like I've got unfinished business. Feel like I'm meant to be in the WWE but I don't know how to get back there. I feel like I'm bring these bridges and, and, and but that's what I'm meant to do. This is what I'm meant to do and and, and how am I gonna do it? And it was just it was a a horrible, harrowing feeling to, to just not know how to get back there, but luckily some twist of faith and freaking divine intervention, I don't know what you want to call it, just just brought me back to what I, I feel like is, is my calling, my destiny, if you believe in those kind of things, um, and, and here we are.
3: Okay, so that was always, just to kind of reiterate, that was always still a goal of yours even during that depression, you still managed to keep that in focus?
2: no, like I didn't keep it in focus, that was the thing, like I can't, it was, it was in my, my heart or my soul, like it was in there, in my gut, but I was trying to bury it away so much, I would go to guidance counsellors, I would go to, to counsellors and therapists to, to, to ask how can I get over this thing, you know what I mean, like how can I find a goal, find an ambition that is, is something that I want to do with my, I wanted to wrestle, but there was nothing, and I, I was trying it. I kept trying, and that's why I did a million different odd jobs. That's why I, I, I went back to college. That's why I got different diplomas and different degrees and different certificates, because I was trying to find that thing that fits. But I wouldn't let myself believe that that could be wrestling because I
3: thought that I had to be done with it. Wow, okay. So now as we record this, WrestleMania is still about two months away. Um, How do you feel physically going into the match? And do you feel that, um, how do you feel about your match in particular, a women's match, uh, is really the most talked about match heading into this
2: WrestleMania? Um... Basically, I'm, I'm dealing with a uh, uh, few little... Few, you know, um, a few tweaks a few little lagging injuries here and there but um, that's fine it's not like I haven't fought through any of them before it's not like I won't fight through any of them again Um, how do I feel about a women's match being um, the most talked about thing well I'm in it so that's been my goal to make people talk about it and regardless of gender that they care about whatever story it is that I'm in that they care about watching that they're emotionally invested and they want to see an, uh, an outcome whatever that is as long as they have opinions about it as long as it's a fight that they want to see and um, the fact that it's a women's match we've never reached before but it's my ambition and my my goal to make sure that we stay there to make sure that people care about women's wrestling Um, and more important than that they they care about the match
3: Okay, and actually that that answer kind of makes me want to jump ahead to another question I had for you Um, Do you think that women the the women's? Evolution whatever you want to call it. Do you think that they can sustain this this level of of fan interest or is this a? Cycle that's going up that inevitably has to drop down Do you think that the women is still a novelty at this stage? Or do you as you look out from your position at the girls who are coming up the girls who are currently on the roster and I know You know a lot of the girls on the Indies and the internationally Do you think that this can sustain itself for years going forward?
2: Uh, I think that's a really odd question, right? Because uh, would you ask that? Like, oh, hey, uh, AJ, do you think that men's wrestling can be good? You know what I mean? Like, that's essentially what that question is. Of course. Of course they can, because it doesn't matter about gender, it matters about ability, it matters about passion, it matters about heart, and uh, I've got that, certainly. And anybody who's willing to to put that in and, and try to reap the benefits, I mean, I would love for somebody to be able to step up and challenge me. Right now, there's nobody that is at that level in either NXT or anywhere else amongst the women, um, but I I invite that. They're all trying to step up, but none of them can reach the level of the man, but that's what I want. I want that challenge. I want that comp- competition because that drives me to work harder. That drives me to think more. I obsess about this. I obsess about this day and night, none to stop. And that's what I want. I want everybody, men and women and and teenage kids and everybody that's coming up and everybody who loves this business. I want them all obsessing about it, all thinking about how they can one-up me because that's what I'm thinking about for them.
3: Terrific. Okay. And just to clarify what I meant but with, with the question, and, and your answer is certainly valid, uh, with women women's wrestling in general, I, I was just ter- talking about you know, Mildred Burke had a period of popularity and then it dropped down, and Wendy Richter and then it dropped down, and Trish, I mean, there's others, but there are, there were kind of highlights and lowlights with women's wrestling over the years that men haven't really quite experienced that level, which is kind of why I asked that question. Um, but stepping aside from that, um, the SmackDown, the SmackDown invasion, or the SmackDown Smackdown invasion of Raw uh, right before the Survivor Series. Um, that really was a turning point for you, or the culmination of, of a really big groundswell of back uh, background support. Um, when you got in the ring and you you took the punch from Nia. In that moment, it gave us one of the most iconic images, and it's something that's really defining of you, standing bloody but unbowed and strong uh, after that that incident. But what was going through your head in that moment? Uh, Was it just the the competitiveness? Was there fear that this could be a serious injury that could put you away? Or where was your head in that moment during that invasion? To
2: be honest with you, I can't remember, I can't remember anything after I got punched. I think, uh, I think I was just on autopilot knowing that I had a job to do, and that job was to take down the entire raw women's division, um, and prove to them who the man was and show them who the top dog was, and, uh, even if my uh, conscious mind wasn't there with me, aware of it. My subconscious knew that that was the job and that that was the task at hand and that's what I had to do. And so, so I went out there, um, completely unconscious. <laughs> and turns out my subconscious is a badass, too.
3: <laughs> it's, it's pretty incredible then that if that was something that was kind of a subconscious thing, that that means how deeply it's ingrained in you that you were able to go out there and react that way without even thinking about it.
2: I I'm, when I when I say I obsess about it I obsess about every single detail matters to me. You know, so I think that's uh uh, I think if you, you chipped away at my core and my soul and took everything away, there'd probably still be a wrestling match going
3: on under. <laughs> Alright, now, some people have really kind of compared the rise of the man uh, to Stone Cold, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, in that it was really the fans that kind of got on board before anything else, and you had the Steve Austin bloody match uh, against Bret Hart at, at WrestleMania, and, and you with the, the blood during that invasion. Do you see those similarities, or how do you react when people compare you to kind of a modern day stone cold
2: oh I hate being compared to one of the greatest of all time <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's it's wonderful uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that comparison and, and however the difference like I, that was never an intention to go out there and, um, and try to to, to emulate um, Stone Cold and just trying to trying to be me and, and trying to find my own originality and um, and, and what um uh, what fits with the fans, and what um, what inspires them, and and, and, and what's going to resonate with them. Um, and, uh, and, and it's all about that connection, right? And I think the thing about Stone Cold was that he was like one of us, you know, but if we got to do whatever the hell that was worth it. Um, and I think that's the thing about this personality change in, in me, or this awakening in me, should I say, is better term is that, um, is that you, you can only get um, stepped on and, and walked on for so long, and then you snap and you say, "The hell with this!" You know, I'm sick of, I'm sick of being pushed down. I'm sick of being overlooked, and I'm going to do something about it. And I think that's what, why both of our characters have had the effect on people that they do because everybody feels like that. And, and with Stone Cold, it was definitely up to us. But with me, that's been happening now, but but I think the origin of it was everybody had that. Friends, right, that everything comes easy to them and they get handed everything, and they're matching good at things, and, and 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 you've got to work for that promotion, but the friend just comes in and the next week they're up there and they're your boss or whatever, it is. and uh, and you're going I worked harder at this job, I'm better, am better at this job, but they're getting all the rewards. No, to hell with that. I want. This. And so I think that's what. Uh, I think that's that's why why it's connecting. Okay.
3: Now, I was going to ask this about kind of the 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 women's evolution and the popularity, but I think the more I think about it, it makes more sense to kind of drill into you specifically on this. Do you think that there was a kind of where you are now with the groundswell of support that you've had? Was it something that was just building for a long period of time, or was there a galvanizing moment where things just clicked and all of a sudden this this was here, or was that movement always just kind of there, bubbling up? Under the surface, uh, do, were you ever aware of a moment where things felt to you like we're at a tipping point? Things are about to change.
2: Um, so uh, that's a really good question. Um, I think, it's, well, I think there was a definite moment where things changed, and obviously, I that was SummerSlam when I slapped the head off Charlotte for uh, taking my moment again. And um, so the other thing is, is that. The support was always there, I and mean, the um, uh, the field was always there. And you can go back, and you can watch, you can watch um, the transition of of Becky Lynch into the man because the story has always been that, um, uh, or the fact has always been that that I still the thing. I always wanted to to. Um, you're telling there would always be somebody there using nefarious means and getting the upper hand and I knew that I had to change and I knew that this couldn't go on and what was happening and it was happening and the frustration was building and the frustration was building and I kept trying to maintain my composure and um, stay steadfast in doing the right thing and keeping my integrity and uh, and then it it all comes to a boil when you've just had enough but the people were supporting me the whole way, the whole way. We saw that at Money in the Bank, the much that I've been in is that the people have always been behind me. Um, and that they just wanted more for me and as much as I wanted more for me. And uh, and then I think of course then with, with um, me being able to go out there and talk to them every week which is something that I hadn't gotten before right and um, they, they they got to understand my mindset uh, a little bit more um, whereas I never really had that mic time before and and then I did and and so then we're able to to really build on the communication before they were just getting to see my matches or whatever um whatever interview I could conduct on whether it was dot com or in social media um and I believe me, I tried to do as many of them as possible because I wanted to get my voice out there. So when I was able to get a microphone in my hand on, uh, on weekly television and talk, um, I think that really made a difference.
3: Terrific. Okay. Now, I know that you've got a a real kind of tight time schedule. So I've I've got one more question. I'll let you go. And again, I appreciate your time today. Um, And beyond WrestleMania here, looking forward, um, what is left for Becky Lynch to achieve? Um, Obviously, the WrestleMania moment, the match against Ronda is is a career making moment. It's it's the culmination that so few people ever get an opportunity to do what you're about to do. Uh, But what do you have, if anything, on the horizon that you still want to get done?
2: Um so it's it's one thing to to get to the mountain top and then it's a whole other thing to stay there, right? And so and then it's 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 maintenance and it's uh there's always the, the other goals of being a double chap, you know. Um <laughs> so we get to WrestleMania. I win the raw Women's Championship. but then I want to win back my Smackdown Women's Championship because that's that's the championship that I made. And uh and that's the championship that I love and ha- will always have a special place in my heart. So being a double champ would be real nice. Um, and and the other thing is just to to ensure the future, ensure that people are uh, are taking out of this, that people are stepping to me and then I wanna fight them and prove that I'm the i the greatest of all time.
3: That's that's a pretty good goal to have. All right. Becky, thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Take care.